for bringing us out here today, please. Lord, um, we've come here to hear from you. Uh, my words are not enough. My words will not do. Only your words can change lives. Only your words can change eternities. Lord, I pray that you would, you would show us this grace and show us this mercy and speak through us. Speak through me in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, we've, we've been talking about courage over the past few weeks. Um, we quoted um, the, the profound philosopher Bruce Lee in our definition of courage. Um, he says that courage is not the absence of fear, whether, rather it is the ability to act in the presence of fear. Um, if you remember a few weeks ago, I gave you two examples of courage. I give you the example of Paul, who was the Apostle Paul, who, who faced heartache after heartache. He faced danger after danger, but he still pressed on. He did what was right. He was afraid, but he did what was right. Um, we, we talked about the, the example of Athanasia, who was exiled three times, and his life was under constant threat, but he still did what was right. In all of our lives, there, there's coming a time in our life where we will be required to take a stand for what's right. It's coming. If it hasn't happened in your life yet, it will happen in your life. I remember Brother Scott was telling me about he was working at a college, he was working at a church, and he was doing what Brother Scott does. He was leading people to the Lord. He was going um, to world-renowned, dangerous places. He worked in Chicago. He would go to Caprini Green, which is a bad, bad place. He would tell me that he would witness the people. It would be dark time. And the people would say, hey, look, we appreciate you coming and, and leading us to the Lord, but you need to leave now. Your life is in danger. He would lead these people to the Lord, and he found out um, these people were from poor neighborhoods. These people uh, were black found out that the church that he was working for would not allow these men and women to be members of their church. So what did he do? He quit. Now think about that. This is, this is the place where Brother Scott got saved. Um, this is the place where he kind of grew into faith and in maturity as a Christian and he gave his life for this place. Right? Um, he had his job at this place. He had, a, he had a small child. He had a wife. And he quit. You don't think he was afraid? What am I going to do? He worked in one of those places that um, was kind of um, nationally known. And if you left in good favor, you could be guaranteed a job. But he didn't leave in good favor. He left because he quit. It took courage. Now, everybody in here will be tested, right? But in spite of persecution, we are to press on. In spite of opposition, we are to press on. In spite of isolation, we are to press on, right? Now, my point in giving you the example of Paul and of Athanasius and of Brother Scott is not to say, well, what they face is harder than what you're going to face Therefore, suck it up, buttercup. My point is to say, if they did it, so can you. Um, God in you is 
is bigger than any circumstance. Right? God in you is bigger than anything that can be opposed against you. Um, so we ended that week by talking about the necessity of courage, right? We need courage. Why is courage necessary? Because courage is necessary because our flesh is weak, right? Um, we're saved, and we love God, and we have a new spirit, but we also have an old spirit, an old nature, and that old nature is strong, and it takes courage every day. It takes courage every day to say no to the old you. It also takes courage um, because our environment is hostile. We are called to be light in the world, but we are told by Jesus that men love darkness rather than light. We need courage. Courage is necessary because the call that we've been called to is big. We are called to show people the good news of Jesus Christ who are spiritually blind. We're, we're called to tell people the good news of Jesus Christ who are spiritually deaf. That takes an immense amount of courage. Now, last week we talked about cowardice, how that cowardice is the opposite of courage. Courage is doing what's right in the face of fear. Cowardice is allowing your fear to override your conviction. I wonder if anybody has ever been there. I wonder if any of you have ever had a conviction, but when push came to shove, you allowed fear to overcome you. I've been there. If you haven't been there, you will be there. You will fail. You will fall. Um, we mentioned that, you know, even though we will fall and we all have played the coward from time to time, that there's grace with God. Right? We, we talked about the fact that even though we are sinners. God's grace is greater than our sin. We gave you the um, example of Paul, of a pilot who knew the difference between right and wrong, right? Um, he was willing to act when it was right and wrong, but he was only willing to act when it was convenient. Now, this week, I, what I want to do is I want to talk about two things. First of all, I want to talk about the myth of neutrality. Talk about the myth of neutrality, and then I want to talk about why is it why is it that we're not courageous? Think about that. Have you ever have you ever been in a situation where you knew what was right and you did what was wrong, you acted the coward, and you knew that you were a coward, and after the situation was over, you think to yourself, why didn't I stand up? Why didn't I stand up? Why didn't I do what's right? I want to talk about why. So, first of all, the myth of neutrality. Now, there seems to be, in the Christian culture, a desire to, at the same time, while you're proclaiming that you're a Christian, so you say, I'm a Christian, and while distancing yourself from historical biblical Christianity, right? You hear people say all the things like, all the time, things like, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I'm not like all those other Christians. Now, what they are implying is that they are tolerant, right? You ever, you ever heard them, somebody proclaim that they are, quote, tolerant Christians? Um, they, they, are, they are constantly trying to um, not be portrayed as a bigot to the rest of the world. They say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I'm totally not judgmental, right? Or they'll say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but totally, I'm not one of those people who thinks 
that they're better than everybody else. Because people who think that they're better than everybody else, they put themselves on a pedestal. And those people are way down here, people who think that they're better than everybody else. But I don't think that I'm better than anybody else. I'm way up here, right? People say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I totally don't believe any of the Bible's teaching on sexual morality. Well, they don't say that, but that's, that's implied, isn't it? You see, what happens with a lot of Christians today is we seem to want to bend over backwards to portray ourselves as, quote, tolerant. Now, this idea of being tolerant comes from the belief that someone can be morally neutral. That is to say, we can say, you know, you have your ideas about what's right and wrong, and I have my ideas about what's right and wrong, and we're both right. Now, the problem with that is, well, it's reality. Um, when, when we see the, the coexist bumper sticker on the back of somebody's car, and we think that, that person clearly thinks that they're making a profound statement, the problem with the coexist bumper stickers is it gives all of those religions, and all of those religions claim that they are the exclusive truth. Right? Have you ever talked to a Muslim? I've talked to Muslims. And the Muslim didn't say to me, well, you're right, and I'm wrong. Or, you're right, and I'm right, and we're both right. No, the Muslim was very clear that I was wrong about who Jesus was. He says, well, no, Jesus was just a prophet. He wasn't God in flesh. And needless to say, um, I differed with him. Right? And we argued for a good 35 and 40 minutes about why he was We argued for a good while about why he was wrong. Um, so we can't be right and wrong, or wrong and right. There is right and there is wrong. How many answers to the question two plus two equals four are there? How many, how many answers to that question are there? There's only one answer. Right? Now, at the heart of this statement and at the heart of this desire to remain neutral, um, there is to is to deny and to keep making a choice. Right? At the heart of this desire to remain neutral is the desire not to make a choice. It's desire. It's the desire to remain neutral. Uh, now, last week um, we talked about how not choosing is itself a choice. A choice that we have to live with. Now listen to the words of Jesus. And let's ask ourselves, after we hear these words that Jesus speaks, let's ask ourselves if neutrality is possible for a Christian. Listen to the words of Jesus. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 30. Jesus says this, He that is not with me is against me. He that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Now what do you think Jesus thinks about neutrality? Very clear, isn't it? Now, a lot of times, what um, what Christians try to do is they try to play word games when they read a text that's clear, right? So 
say, I know that that's clearly what the text says, but what he really means is the exact opposite of that. No, Jesus isn't playing fancy word games here, is he? One commentator notes this. He says, in this one piercing sentence, Jesus lays down the impossibility of Right? In this cosmic world, in this cosmic war of good and evil, there are only With Jesus, now William Barclay suggests there are three things that make men want to seek the impossibility He says this: there is in human nature the inertia that we want to just be left alone, and we want to be easy roads. And he says um, the first reason is the sheer inertia of human nature. It is true of so many people that the only thing they desire is to be left alone. They automatically shriek away from anything which is hard. Now think about this. How hard is it to leave your house? Your house is comfortable. Your house, some of our houses have air conditioning. Our houses have air conditioning. Our houses have comfy furniture. We have TVs that have hundreds of channels on, on them, right? And that's not enough. So what we do, we pay an extra 15 or $20 some internet services to, to beam TV shows into our house, and we can watch all of those TV shows, right? Then we get tired of the TV shows that are beamed into our house on the internet. We have all the DVDs that we've collected over the years. So if we get tired of that, we can get on our phones, our devices, our laptops, our tablets, our cell phones, and we can look at uh, what other people are doing, right? I can interact with all of you without having left my house, right? I can see what you've been up to this week, and oh, you went here, you did this, you said this. It's easy just to stay home and do nothing. It's easy just to not join into the fight, right? Says number two. Um, the reason why we seek neutrality is that the sheer there is a sheer there is the sheer cowardness of the human nature. It says many men, many men refuse the way of Christ because he is afraid to take a stand, which Christianity demands. The basic thing that stops him is the thought of what other people will say. Then he says this: the voice of his neighbor is louder here. Why is it that we don't stand up for our brothers and sisters following on Twitter and bothering them with our comments? Like when you ask most Americans, most Americans will, what do you think about a situation? What do they have to do? They have to go out there and they have to see what the neighbors and relatives think about the situation? Oh, they say this? Well, then that's what I believe. voice of society is louder in our ears than the voice of God. And then he says this, there is the sheer flabbiness of human nature. Most people would rather have security than adventure. In order, um, and the older they grow, the, the more that is so. Um, a challenge is always involved in 
Savior, Christ comes to us with a challenge. And often so, and we are often would rather seek the comfort of selfish inaction than the adventures of Christ. Serving Jesus is, a, is an adventure. Right? Serving Jesus takes action. We would rather sit at home and do nothing than actually step up and work. But I want, I want to give you an example of a believer who tried to seek neutrality. Right? Um, again, we all have this desire in our hearts to seek the status quo. But Jesus tells us that there is no possibility for Christians to seek neutrality. So I want to give us a biblical example of somebody who was a believer in God, somebody who was saved, who tried to be neutral. Right? Look at the story of Lot. How many of you remember the story of Lot? We all know the story, right? God sends two angels to see if there are any righteous, righteous men in the city of Sodom. Uh, the two angels having reached Lot's house, they were accosted by the mob, and the mob wanted to abuse these two angels who appeared to be men. Right? Lot tries to intervene, but in the story, we see, two, we see Lot doing two things. He tries to remain on the side of the angels, but he also tries to remain on the people's side of Sodom. Right? Let's read verses 7 and 9 of verse 9, of chapter 19 of Genesis. Genesis chapter 19, verse 7 and 9. Like this is the, the head of the situation. This is the head of the problem. And Lot said, I pray you, brethren, he calls them brothers. Do not so wickedly. Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known men. Let me, I pray you, Bring them out unto you, and do to them as any as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing. Therefore come, therefore they came they under the shadow of my roof, and they said, Stand back. And they said again, This one fellow comes in to sojourn, and he will needs be a judge. Now will we deal worse with thee than with them? And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came back near the door. Now, in this section of Scripture, we see two sides, right? We see the side of the men of Sodom. We see the side of God. Which side is Lot on? Well, we don't know. Right? We see him trying to be neutral, don't we? He tries to stick up for these two angels by saying, Brothers... Look, I'm on your side. Right? He, he saw the people of Sodom as his brothers. But he also had loyalty for God. Right? What did he do? He tried to remain in the middle. But I want you to notice the world's reaction to Lot. I want you to notice the men of Sodom's reaction to the believer who tried to remain in the middle. Right? He tried to... He tried to remain in the middle, but when push came to shove, what did they do? They rejected Lot, didn't they? Right? He says in verse 7, I pray you, brother, brothers, brethren, do not so wickedly, but the people of Lot only saw him as a stranger. Notice verse 9, it says, This one fellow came in to sojourn, and he will needs be a judge? Or you can paraphrase this, right? This guy is a foreigner, and he thinks he's the mayor? 
did they see him as one of them? Were the men of Sodom neutral at all? They had a point of view. They had a perspective. They had a view of what was right and wrong. What did they do? They forced that opinion onto lies. You see, no matter how much you compromise your faith, it will never be enough. The world will demand another compromise and another compromise and another compromise. I once heard someone um, make the point, and they said, you know, Christians are arrogant because they claim to have the only way to heaven. You see the problem, it's not the exclusive claim to Christianity, right? It wasn't the exclusive claim to Christianity that this man's problem was. What this man's problem was is that he had a rebellious heart. And he refused to submit to God's will. Because here's the thing, if there were a hundred ways to heaven, you know what we would demand? We would demand 101 ways, wouldn't we? Jesus says, hey, there are 100 ways to heaven. We say, well, why aren't there 102 ways? Well, then Jesus would say, well, there are 102 ways to heaven. And then we would fold our arms and say, well, why aren't there 103 ways? Why aren't there 104 ways or 105 ways? You see, even though Lot was in saw them as his brothers. They saw him as Jesus. The same would be true for us as Christians who try to remain neutral in the world. If we pit the world side against God, push comes to shove, they will always reject us. there is a temptation to bring judgment on others as Christians. Some of us are unable to withstand it. The reason for this is because we are scared and have allowed our fear to keep us doing what's right. You, you need to make a decision. You need to do what's right or you need to leave. There have been times where I've had to go to somebody's house and go, you know what? Um, I love you. Difficult. Now, nobody likes that. I don't like that. Nobody likes having an awkward conversation with a relative about why you can't do it. Nobody likes to um, look at somebody in the face and say, you know what, I disagree with that. I think that's wrong. What you're doing is sinful. 
We don't like doing that. However, if we follow Jesus, we cannot remain neutral. We have to choose a side. So the question now becomes is, why is it that we as Christians, when we know what's right, why is it that we don't do what's right? Why do we become like Lot, who seeks to be friends with the world? Why do we become like Lot, who wants to be neutral? I think there are three reasons why Christians are neutral. Number one, we become cowards when we don't do what's right. We become cowards when we don't do what's right. See, if I don't believe in the cause that I'm fighting for, then I won't. Now, let's say this. Now, finish disclaimer. This illustration is stupid. I'm going to give you this illustration, and you're going to think in your head, that's a stupid illustration. That's silly. I know it's stupid, and I know it's silly. I know that. I did it. Joke. Illustration. Let's say that I come up here today, and I say, you know, I've decided that we as a church, we need to expand our strikers. I know it won't be popular. You could, like, if you join with me in taking the stand, you could lose your job. If you join with me in taking the stand, this could split your family. Your families could disown you. Will you follow me in this great endeavor? Now, some of you are probably thinking, that's tense. Right? And rightfully so. That depends. Now, why is that? Well, not all causes are created equal if that makes any sense. For instance, let's say if the cause that I was, like, I'm saying, hey, like, we need to be courageous. We need to stand for what's right, and we need to do what's right. We, the cause that I'm trying to get us all to go, come in and pull in the same direction, I want to go to the Dallas Zoo, and I want to liberate all of the monkeys. Now, some of you are probably saying, well, I like monkeys. guys, we need to go to the zoo, we need to liberate all of the monkeys, we're going to bring them here, we're going to make them members of the church, right, we're going to dress them like us, like this will double our membership, like overnight, it'll be great. Now, the Dallas Zoo doesn't want us to come and take all of their monkeys, there's going to be guards there, so some of us might die, we may not make it back, but it's the right thing to do, let's go guys. Who's with me? It'd be me and Rhonda, right? <laughs> leading the assault on the Dallas Zoo. Now, again, that's a dumb illustration, right? Nobody would risk their life for that. Nobody. Why? Because the cause is stupid. The cause is ridiculous. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't risk missing the cowboy game for that cause, right? I I wouldn't. I wouldn't get up early in the morning to come hear me um, talk about that cause. I wouldn't risk being ridiculed by my neighbors for that cause. Yeah, I, I heard. Um, Not right to sit there in cages. 
That's stupid. But if we're honest, if we're honest, the reason why we don't we're not convinced God is worthy Convinced. We don't believe in it. Remember the story of David and Goliath? Right? Um, the, the army of Israel is paralyzed for sure, aren't they? they, they there are 40 days. They spent 40 days standing across the battlefield to the, the, the army of the Philistines. And every day, Goliath would come out and say, Send us your champion, right? He would taunt the nation of Israel, he would taunt, taunt the army of God. And the army of Israel did nothing. Why? Because they were scared. David shows up and hears what Goliath is saying. What is his response? Who is this guy? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine to say anything against the armies of the Almighty God? Is there not a cause, is what he said? David loses all of his He believes it so much that it causes him to act. We see two things happening here, don't we? We see the inaction of the army. We see the action of David. What caused the army to be inactive? Well, they didn't believe in the cause. They gave lip service to the cause. David acted courageously. He stepped out bravely because he believed with all of his heart that what he was fighting for was right. Now the question is, do you believe that? Do you believe what we're gathered here today is a worthy cause? So here, here, here's Here's what, here's what most Christians say. Most Christians come to church, and the cause that they're willing to fight for is their own cause. They come here, like, well, why don't we have the churches we want? Why don't we have the programs that we want? What is, what is, what is it all? It's about you, isn't it? People come in and say, well, I didn't, I didn't really get anything out of I didn't really get anything out of the, the praise service this morning. Well, great. We're not here to praise you, are we? Like we don't open up. We don't have. We don't post words on the screen, right? Praise and honor Jonah. Although that would be great. <laughs> but you wouldn't ask us to. We don't sing the the praises of Bob. We sing the praises of Jesus. We're united around the cause of Jesus. And the question is, do you believe in that cause? Because if you don't believe in that cause, you're not going to sacrifice. If you don't believe in that cause, you're you're not going to risk anything. If you don't believe in that cause, you're going to come here and you're just going to make sure everything is about when things get hard, things get difficult, where you're going to leave. 
Why are we cowards? We don't believe in the promise. Why are we cowards? Number two, we don't believe in the plan. Now, it's one thing to believe in the cause you're fighting for. But if the plan that you're fighting with is bad, then you will not believe in the promise. For example, have you ever been in a situation where you believed in what you were doing? In other words, you believed in the cause, right? However, the plan, well, the plan's not that great. It's not that great. In fact, the plan's kind of stupid. What are you going to do? You're going to do everything in your power to do what's right. I know what the leader wants, and I know what the cause is, but I'm going to go around and I'm going to do what I think is told us how we were supposed to act, how we were supposed to carry out his cause, hasn't he? Some people say, well, Levi, you're just fearful. I say, yeah, I am fearful. My mind is exactly the same way. It's exactly the same. My mind is just narrow enough to see it. You go, oh, you need, you need to be open-minded. Do I? Is open-minded a good thing? Say that I come up to you and say, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go um, to Walmart, and every elderly person we see, we're just going to push them off. Like, that's awful. That's terrible. And you would say, well, that's terrible, Levi. And my response is, hey, you've got to be open-minded. come at life with presuppositions. The way that we see that we come at life with perspective. The question is, do we have the right presupposition? Do we have the right perspective on things? The cause is the cause of Christ. The plan is, is the word of God. The word of Christ. He, he tells his disciples to go what? Go ye therefore into all nations. Do what? Preach the gospel. The cause is Jesus. Well, the plan is what Jesus does. So here, here's, here's what a lot of us do. We believe, hey, we want to honor God and we want to glorify God, but we want to do it in our way. Right? So we come to church and show with lasers. Like you take your kids to like the kids church and they have like a dude dressed as like SpongeBob teaching Sunday school class. It's fun. It's entertaining. And it's the greatest thing ever. But we never talk about what the Bible says. We never talk about what Jesus says. We never compel people to go out and tell people about Jesus. Go to those places because they're comfortable, and church will make them comfortable. 
nothing wrong with having a big church. There's nothing wrong with some of these mega churches. These mega churches believe what we believe. They preach the gospel. They're after um, souls and they're after helping people. And God bless those churches. But there are some that are just goofy and stupid. If I believed in the cause, and if I believed that Jesus was the answer, I would go where he sent me. Like, I would do what he called me to do. In short, I would be courageous and faithful. See, if we have a problem with the cause, if we have a problem, Cause is dumb, the plan is bad, the planner can't be foolish. Some of you are thinking, well, that's dumb, of course I believe in the planner, I am God. To that I would respond by saying, well, why aren't you writing a book on it? Why aren't you fighting? God and all of us, everyone in here crosses a cross. My cross is different than your cross. My cross is different than your cross. Like God's plan for LB's life and all those cousins down the road, God's plan for LD's life is different for my life. Each one of us is in this mess right now. God, I have a part in your plan. Help me to carry it out. God, I trust that your plan is good because I know that you're good. Christians, we do this with great assurance. We straddle the fence between our good and our ill. We have to pick a side. We can't pick either one. We will not pick a side, and we will not give up. us as individuals to construct the plan. Help us to, as a, as a
congregation to trust you with their lives. We ask these things in the name of Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord has spoken to us.